0: What are they thinking? Why would they do something like that? Wouldn't it be nice to know what's on the inside of someone's head and just understand why they do the things that drive you crazy? You're in luck. Welcome to my series on how to get along with people based on each Enneagram type, my favorite personality test that is so incredibly spot on it's going to blow your mind. I share with you literally how to get along with each type and even interview someone from each type so you can get the tea straight from the source. Welcome to Create Your Fate. If you have been coasting through life, but are ready to make small conscious changes to step out of fear and into living your best life ever, this show is for you. Who am I? I'm live coach Meg Ellis, here to help retrain old self-limiting beliefs into a positive mindset, you can confidently become the person who you want to be by first understanding who you already are. How? By using the law of attraction in my favorite personality test, the Enneagram. And I'll even teach you some mind tricks along the way. Ultimately, I guide you to stop thinking about what you don't want and instead focus on what you do want. You can create your best life ever and it begins with your mind. Are you ready? It's time to create your fate. All right, let's get into the mind of an Enneagram 2 so we can understand what's going on in there. Honestly, I decided to do this series because I kept finding myself in conversations with people who were trying to understand their loved ones and I would give advice based on their Enneagram. And it seemed to really help. So I figured, hey, what better way to help everybody be able to do this than to dedicate a whole podcast series to it? So if you're new to the Enneagram, check out mini episode 119 to learn all about the basics of an Enneagram 2, who is also known as the helper. The core desire of a 2 is to feel loved and connected to others, and their core fear is to be unworthy of being loved. I'm going to be sharing some additional information on how to get along with Enneagram 2s that comes from one of my go-to sources, Ninetypes.com, and then we'll hop right into my interview with an Enneagram 2. Okay, so twos. Helpers are warm, concerned, nurturing, and sensitive to other people's needs. How to get along with me from an Enneagram 2. Tell me that you appreciate me. Be specific. Share fun times with me. Take an interest in my problems, though I will probably try to focus on yours. Let me know that I am important and special to you. Be gentle if you decide to criticize me. How to get along with me in intimate relationships. Reassure me that I am interesting to you. Reassure me often that you love me. Tell me I'm attractive and that you're glad to be seen with me. What I like about being a two. Being able to relate easily to people and to make friends. Knowing what people need and being able to make their lives better. Being generous, caring, and warm. Being sensitive to and perceptive about others' feelings. Being enthusiastic and fun-loving. And having a good sense of humor. What's hard about being a two? Not being able to say no. Having low self-esteem. Feeling drained from overdoing for others. Not doing things I really like to do for myself out of fear of being selfish. Criticizing myself for not feeling as loving as I think I should. Being upset that others don't tune into me as much as I tune into them. Working so hard to be tactful and considerate that I suppress my real feelings. Today, my friend Jason joins me to share what goes on in the mind of an Enneagram 2. Jason owns his own architect firm and is a father of two kids, one in high school, one in college. He's passionate about cooking, hunting, fishing, all the things outdoors. Ready to dive into a mind of the helper? Check it out. Thank you, Jason, my beloved Enneagram 2, for coming on to my show. Thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely. Can't wait.
0: Thanks for helping out. I feel like you uh, really like helping out because you're the helper.
1: <laughs> it seems to be that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about being a helper. When you found out that you are an Enneagram 2 and you found out that the name of Enneagram 2 was the helper, did it hit? Did it make sense? Did anything click?
1: It make complete sense, um, especially in from the business aspect, but also on the personal side of always wanting to do more, help people out, want to see them succeed. And I think that kind of ties into the business side of, um, of what I'm doing. and um, And on the personal side, also with, you know, raising kids and family and everything else is always trying to be there for them and make sure that you're helping, but without doing. But as we find, sometimes that can be a challenge as well.
0: Right, right. So tell me about that challenge. What makes that hard? What makes wanting to help people hard?
1: It's not the part of wanting to help them that's hard. It's sometimes helping them. And whenever you're seeing things veer off course, as we know now, I'm a stress eight. So that makes me want to take (laughs) control and then I'll want to do it and all that sort of stuff. So it's really about helping, but without doing yourself. I think when you start doing it yourself, you then probably go too far. You start to feel unappreciated because then it just becomes a cycle.
0: Mm, okay. So this is going to be really good for how to get along with an Enneagram too. So because you like to help people so much, and if you see them not helping themselves, mm-hmm. where do you invite yourself to step in?
1: Probably after it's it's too late, honestly, I think is um, probably should... Start helping sooner, but in in little ways, not wait to the end to where it's such a big jump where you're having to, I guess, fix everything, Mm -hmm. which you're not necessarily fixing. You're just stopping a problem from proceeding forward to some degree.
0: Yeah, right. Because you're driven to help people so much, how do you feel when you see somebody not helping their own situation?
1: It's frustrating, to me because I can see a lot of potential in people. And it's just a few things that they could do to help out their situation and really dedicate their time in order to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what you, you mentioned in return, when you don't get that help in return, mm-hmm. when you don't get that appreciation in return, how does that feel? Because you want to help people because you like helping mm-hmm. people. But what happens if that goes unappreciated?
1: I guess there becomes a certain limit. It depends on which factor it is. If it's in a business standpoint, probably my fuse is a lot shorter. If it's in a personal relationship or family matter, it's going to be a lot longer, obviously. So it really situationally depends on what we're dealing with. But appreciation is important, I think, in every aspect. And it doesn't have to be balloons and candy and all the fancy stuff. It can just be a simple, thank you so much for your help, and kind of not do that same thing again. Or try not to, I Right.
0: Mean. Okay. Well, there's a thing with Enneagram 2s, and it's, it's called mind reading, where Enneagram 2s do a lot of mind reading in theory, right? These are generalized mm-hmm. ideas. But I, as an Enneagram 2, want to help you. I get joy out of helping you. So I help you, help you, help you, help you, help you all the time. And then if there's mm-hmm. no appreciation given in return, there's this idea of, well, you should help me because I've helped you all these other times in the past. Right. What has your experience been with getting to that point?
1: Um, probably a lot. Uh, <laughs> the experience <laughs> of, of getting to that, that, that part a lot. So you kind of nailed it. But that also, when you say things like that to people, they say, well, I'm not a mind reader. So I think that comes down to anticipating and being clear in your communication. So I think I try to anticipate things. Probably I'm a way overthinker. So I can see an issue, I'm overthinking what are the 10 things that, that can go wrong and here's how you fix those 10 things or how you uh, chart a path to avoid those 10 things. So I think that that's just, um, I lost my train of thought, so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because there's so many things to think about, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what would you said about wanting to avoid these 10 things? Because twos, and I can say this for my Enneagram 7 self who can commiserate in this dis taste for confrontation, mm-hmm. right? So do you find yourself helping out a lot, maybe down the road, thinking about these 10 things that still have to come mm-hmm. because you want to avoid a confrontation?
1: No, actually, I think that's one thing. I, I don't mind a confrontation at all. It's a conversation, not a confrontation. I think I've heard that before. There you somewhere.
0: go. <laughs> that's some growth points right there.
1: There you go. But I think that it's important to no, I do not avoid confrontation. In fact, I want it Done as quickly as possible to move on to the next thing, and I think that's important. So it's like best part of the communication of being clear, concise, to the point, and then let's just take care of it, get together, and then move on mm-hmm. from a business aspect.
0: Yeah, well, even on a personal confrontation, boundaries, confrontation, saying no, are Ooh. all common factors in maybe someone who's new to understanding themselves as an Enneagram too. And I know you've done a lot of personal growth work over the last couple of years. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've seen you just absolutely thrive and tackle these issues, but talk to me about saying no. What would you say to an Enneagram too that maybe hasn't done the personal development? Why is it so hard or think about back to yourself before you got into personal development? Why is it hard to say no to people?
1: I think it's because you want to help everybody. You want to do whatever makes them happy. And I think that is the struggle. And it's not about neglecting people. It's just about putting yourself first and taking that time to focus on yourself and then helping others. You can still have that want, but it is a trained, I guess, a trained feeling or, or a trained action that you need to say, no, but here's what you could do or whatever else. Instead of going and actually doing it, maybe just giving some advice as opposed to, you know, helping, doing whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, because you get a lot of joy, a lot of fulfillment, a lot of self-worth out of helping people as a helper. Mm -hmm. So if you're not helping people, then it's like, oh, my self-worth goes down. So how do you naturally receive help in return?
1: Hmm. (laughs) From a business aspect, it's probably from actually (laughs) planning, coordinating, and delegating is receiving help. And it's just a matter of freeing up time. So in fact, I am saying no to a lot of things, but then it becomes somebody else's responsibility. So getting help in return on the personal level is just probably saying yes to things that you would normally not say yes to. Like, let me grab this. Can I do this for you? It's like, well, okay. And, you know, because maybe they they get some personal satisfaction out of it as well, as opposed to trying to do it
0: do it all. Well, what happens when you do try and do it all yourself?
1: You get burnt out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I love that phrase burnt out, right? Cause you are doing everything for everybody, right? It's like, mm-hmm. who doesn't deserve help? Like, how do you draw the line at who you decide to help or who do you want to help?
1: I don't think it's a matter of drawing the line on who or what, it's just whatever situation that you're in, because it could be, Somebody you don't know, somebody you just met, it could be somebody for 20 years. Um, uh, There's no category you can put people in. I think it's just the situation that you're in, but also being respectful to your own time and your own needs is important.
0: Yeah. I always say, you know, in the lineup of people that you want to help, make sure you're just in the lineup. You don't have to be first. Although that's, a, that's like the next level of personal development, helping yourself first. But right. at least if you're starting out as an Enneagram 2, put yourself in the lineup, right? right? So with this long list of people to help, let's just say an Enneagram 2 who is not great at receiving help. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that mind read come into and in that burnout where it's like, hey, I'm helping all these people. No one's helping me in return.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What happens at that point?
1: Probably a lot of anxiety, and I'm trying to think of um, what else it might bring across um, animosity towards others, and just getting to the point of saying, Well, I'm not helping anybody anymore. And that's it, you know, which isn't the case. It's just be selective on who you help.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have gotten to that point where you're like, I'm not helping anybody anymore, right? And the emotions wear down, you know, and maybe it's a day or two goes by or a week or whatever. What do you feel after that? Because that's ultimately not what you really want, to not help anybody.
1: Right, right. I guess you just slowly get back on track and just kind of um, take the right steps to improving the way you help people. I think you can help people in, in a lot of different ways. Like I said, it's, it's, it's just a matter of how you do it. You don't have to take on their problems and take on their issues. You can be almost an advisor to yourself, to them as well. So you can kind of get outside of yourself a little bit and not have to take everything so personally and, and want to fix them and fix everything about them. Yeah. Or also just listening without fixing is very difficult for a two.
0: So if I'm coming at you and I just want to vent and you're trying to help me and fix my problems when all I want Uh to do is just have a listening ear. Oh, that's really good. You're going to naturally want to step in.
1: (laughs) So, so, so you you have to like do magic hands or something like this and go, and it's a code and say, it's a code. Like you don't have to do anything. I'm just venting.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's really good. So what would you say about boundaries then with yourself? How would you advise an Enneagram to, to stop like helping? And is there a a secret ingredient for getting the magic hands of just listening and not wanting to help?
1: No, I. I think every situation is different, but I think that really, I mean, since you and I've worked on more business stuff, i focus more on that a lot on the discussions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, setting aside and make holding people accountable for what they're supposed to do instead of continually coming back. And it's like, well, you know, two weeks ago, we put this on your plate. If you have a question about it, I'm happy to answer a question, but I'm not going to do it. Or if it falls short, I'm not going to do it. It just falls short. And that's on you not on me, but it's on me if I didn't help them to get to the spot in the first place Mm -hmm. or coach them enough to get to where they need to go.
0: Yeah. Understanding you can still show up in a supportive way and help people without doing it for them and just guiding them. What about going back to this appreciation? What does appreciation look like in return for you?
1: One way, which is a kind of, difficult way for a lot of people is just not to do the same thing over and over and over again. Like if we talk about and I help you and I get you to a certain point, it's like you take it from here and then we'll challenge tackle the next thing, but not going back to the same thing over and over again. That makes me feel very appreciated to be quite honest, because it's it's kind of like, okay, I've helped and I can see that it helped as opposed to I help, but then I'm having to continue to help which leads to burnout and frustration. Right,
0: because you constantly want to keep helping and fixing and stepping into that. Mm. That's interesting. It's like, hey, all of my efforts for helping you actually served a purpose and did something. So I feel good about what I did because I'm seeing it's reflected in what you are doing. Right. Okay, cool. Very good. In your success. Yeah. How else can you appreciate an Enneagram 2? Because an Enneagram 2 is not necessarily going to Ask for help in return, necessarily, especially on a personal basis so how can how can people know t- that you want help?
1: Well, we don't typically so it's <laughs> hard to, but we need it. I guess maybe just just trying to set up a better line of communication or or if you see i mean for me, when I walk in the office, people know if i'm frustrated or i'm happy or i'm in whatever mood I'm in, right everybody knows it's, it's real. I kind of radiates from, from around me at that point in time, it would be nice to just be like, Hey, is there anything I can do to help? They don't have to know the situation. They don't have to know anything or I hate to say it, but you know, I like the mind reading side of it. I mean, you have that with me. You like, I can tell that today is going to be a day. Let's push our meeting or whatever else it may be. And it's like, that is a good way to communicate with it too. But I think just to, to answer your question, a simple, thank you. Like a simple form, an email, a thank you, a note, whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be crazy. It just needs to be something.
0: Yeah, the smallest bit of recognition, Mm -hmm. because if I put my self-worth into helping people, right, that's the Enneagram 2, their core desire is to feel loved and wanted by others. And they do that and express that through Mm -hmm. helping people or, maybe at the very beginning of a personal development journey, they don't know that they want to be loved and wanted by others so much. That's why they might avoid some hard conversations and confrontation or not express boundaries because it's like, oh, well, what if I'm not loved with this? So it can be very simple, right, to express appreciation and say, oh, yeah, you're loved, you're wanted. Thank you for this. This was great and validate your self-worth so you get that mm-hmm. feeling of you know just worthiness and hey I'm loved. Right. What else can people do to show you that hey you're loved just the way you are?
1: I guess just be there for you when when it's needed but I think that's kind of universally the rule not specifically with twos. I'm trying to think what else for me specifically. I don't know. Honestly, I I really think it's a simple thank you or or actually just I guess what we were talking about before also is just, we've talked about this, this is off my plate, it's on your plate, you know, take care of it and everything will be great. A hug is nice too. It's always a good thing, that, not not mm-hmm. appropriate in the workplace, <laughs> but on the personal level, that's great, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, lots of hugs for Enneagram twos. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So what if somebody does not know how to fix your problem or if they're not even aware that you have a problem, and they've showed up and say, hey, how can I support you? Or I want to show up as a listening ear. Mm. Do you want someone to help you come up with a solution for your problem? Or do you just want them to listen?
1: No, I like to collaborate. I mean, I think being in the architecture business, that's very important. And I think that's where the success is. And to be quite honest, it's a group effort. It's a group effort in a personal relationship and in a business setting. And I do like that help. I do not like doing everything myself. I like to... Get all the pieces and parts together from all the different players and kind of package it all up, edit it, and then present it to the client. I think that's kind of the best way to do it. And that's not me presenting it, meaning like us as a team presenting something to a client. So, no, the help is super appreciated and it goes a long way. Just bring your best self when we're collaborating. You know, doing a group project or having to do it all yourself is not fun. Everybody's been there.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting because you don't want to do things by yourself because then really, too, if you're not used to doing things for yourself, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I have no one to help right now. Right. 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 (laughs) So what does collaboration look like on a personal level in in relationships, even with your kids?
1: Right, right. I mean, simply as, you know, just talking, planning, you know, talking about the future, talking about weekend plans, talking about, you know, what do you want to do or currently right now going through college applications and everything and it's like well where do you want to go why do you want to go there what does university of wyoming have over lsu you know why are you even applying over there and just having them answer those questions is part of the collaboration because honestly it's not my life it's their life and i'm here to help and support but ultimately it's their decision that they need to make and move forward with in the best way possible so that's important I mean, everything from, I mean, even meal planning to, I mean, there's, there's a thousand collaborations that happen on a personal level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting viewpoint for someone who's getting along with an Enneagram team. It's like, Hey, I don't want to do it myself, but I do want to collaborate with you. Cause I like helping and, and serving in that purpose.
1: Well, the other part of that is like from the business side of it, just going back to that, the collaboration part is also people learning from doing and mentoring in a way without being a mentor. And then allowing some people to take reins and take pieces and parts that they've never done before. And because I'm ultimately interested in their success, that's how I feel like I'm getting satisfaction from helping, is seeing them be successful.
0: Yeah. And then if they do something to grow, right, your efforts were actually not in vain, right? right? And then it takes something off of your plate because now I don't have to help you with this. And as an Enneagram 2, you probably have a long list of people to help already, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, hey, I already tried to help you. Check this off so you can take this off my plate, right? Right. You feel like a personal responsibility for it. And learning to help people and collaborate with them and not Mm -hmm. feeling the personal responsibility and saying, nope, nope, this is on them. They got this. It's huge for an Enneagram 2.
1: Yeah, and I think all of my mentors must have been 2s because that's exactly how they handle (laughs) it. was collaborate yeah I'd be,
0: I'd be curious yeah i wonder if all the mentors and coaches i wonder if there's a lot of twos out there because they probably like to so.
1: Help people. probably so but that was in my most important part of learning is them number one giving me the responsibility me taking the responsibility and i got a lot of it from helping them because they were obviously much higher and taking things off their plate, which then allowed me to become successful because next thing you know, I'm doing much larger and larger architecture projects because they it was off of their plate and they had moved on to even larger ones. So it was kind of a stair-step process as part of it.
0: Let's talk about, you know, in Enneagram too, is, there's something called a harmonic group and it's how each type deals with conflict or difficulty. Mm-hmm. And you're in something called the positive outlook group. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that, what does that mean to you? <laughs>
1: It definitely is the group that I'm in. I I love it. I love a good positive outlook, Um, even though I can be negative quite a bit sometimes, actually. But those are just on frustrating days. But I think also looking for the ultimate positive outcome is that's how I try to look at at everything. Of course, that's taken a while from great coaching and everything else. Expect good things always, right?
0: Always. (laughs) Always.
1: Always. And You just keep telling yourself that. and, And that is, it usually ends up that way or it always does. Yeah,
0: always. It really does. Why is a positive outlook, if someone comes to you with a problem,
1: mm-hmm.
0: why is a positive outlook towards a solution, why is that so important to an Enneagram too?
1: I think because if it's negative to start off with, the stress side will take over, and then it just gets very overwhelming, controlling, like you just want to sit down and stop what you're doing right there and, and focus on this one task until it's completed, especially if it's an issue. I know I I deal with that, and I prefer if there is a problem to be addressed immediately about the problem, whether it is positive or negative, and then we can decide collectively if this is really positive or negative. Because there are, I mean...
0: The collaboration again. (laughs) Correct,
1: correct. But if a problem waits too long before I know about it, it is extremely stressful because I feel like I've missed those two weeks of client interaction or whatever else it may be. And that turns into everybody stop, shut down the office. We're taking care of this one thing, which is not necessary. That's, I'm working on it being, okay, if you have a problem, nobody's getting in trouble, issues happen, bring them up immediately and let's address them immediately. The sooner you take care of it, the better it's going to be.
0: Right. The less time in, distress you'll be in and and especially if a problem is presented to you Mm -hmm. with a positive outlook of some type of solution or a potential solution yes i imagine it takes the pressure off of you because you naturally want to help and fix everything right and then you can go to that stress aid of that control so if i know and this is Just based off of what you've said so far, if I know you already have a solution in the works, then that tells me that you're not putting all the weight on me and that we can collaborate Mm -hmm. and you are coming with your half. So it's not all on me.
1: Correct. And also it's that I've mentored you enough to know how to get to that solution to present back to me just as a touch point.
0: Yeah, right. Like I've already helped you in the past. Yay! What I did actually right. served a purpose.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah,
0: like kind of with that check mark of self worth. It's like, okay, what I did had a purpose. Oh, right. That's really interesting. Okay, very cool. Was there any advice that you would give to? somebody who is brand new to the Enneagram does not know that they're in a relationship, a personal relationship or a professional relationship Mm -hmm. with a two, what would be like the number one piece of advice that you would give them? How to get along with the two.
1: How to get along with the two. I think that was one that we just just touched on is being clear and concise. And and if there's an issue or whatever it is, positive or negative, it's not conflict. It's just a conversation. We are not going to get mad at you for a lot of things. But, you know, especially if it's addressed up front, maybe seeing, like we said, seeing how hard that they're trying to help everybody and just a simple thank you or a note every once in a while is great. And um it doesn't go much deeper than that. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty simple, not very complicated. I, I mean, everybody knows where I stand at every point in time, whether I'm speaking it or the emotions on my face or wherever it is. So just kind of... um A little bit of appreciation. Oh, and loyalty goes a long way. That was another.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, like I read your mind. Yeah, right? It's reversing now, right? Now you're in my head. Why is loyalty so important to you as a two?
1: I think because we are really putting in so much effort into ourselves and into other people on a daily basis across the board and to be loyal to that is really important because we we really are thinking about the best interests of everybody. And so being able to adapt and understand what person A, person B, person C, the things that they need because of conversations are completely different. It's not universal. So that is hard to get to know people well enough to know what, number one, Enneagram they are, like we have in our company, but then also know how to react to them. So you have to think there's So many different ways you can react on so many different scenarios on a positive or a negative scenario and taking that time to really focus on that and being loyal and seeing the amount of effort that's put into it is extremely important. That's a big one.
0: Yeah. And if you flip that in reverse, right, how you view view loyalty is, you know, we all do this, every human. This is how I view loyalty. So this is how I think others view loyalty. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I'm thinking about person A, B, and C, right. And, and I've probably as a two gone through all the hoops to over help these people Mm -hmm. and do everything that I can to help them. Right. Then on the flip side, if, if I am sensing disloyalty, it's like, Hey, you're not thinking about me. You're not, you don't have any feelers out here for how I'm going to react to this. You're not Taking my feelings into account at all. Mm-hmm. And then you can add on this. That's in itself is is awful. But then you take on this. Well, and I've done all these things for you up until this point, you yeah. know, and it's like that, like just cuts a little bit deeper, you know?
1: Right, right. There is a wall that you do hit. And I think a lot of people have that. Some people have short fuse, some have long fuse. I have an extremely, extremely long fuse. But when it is there, it is there and that is that because I feel like I've been loyal for so long as well. So I'm dedicating myself to you. You dedicate yourself to me. And I do understand, you know, being the boss is, um, is a thankless position. They say all the time, but it doesn't have to be for everybody out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those small, small pieces of gratitude and small appreciation. Yeah. When somebody betrays your loyalty, how do they get it back
1: or is it a lost cause? No, it's not a lost cause at all. Just, hey, I'm sorry. I really should have done this differently. I handled it incorrectly. You know, probably the same way that I would handle if, if, if I was upset or did something that I shouldn't have done or said something I shouldn't, shouldn't have said. I just say, I'm sorry. That's my mistake. I shouldn't have acted like that. Do you forgive me? Let's move on. It won't happen again.
0: Right. Taking ownership. So you don't have to take ownership of it. Right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, that loyalty is, is huge and even, I mean, expressing appreciation can show up and just being loyal then too, and that's a huge value to a two. That wraps up how to get along with an Enneagram Two. I hope it was helpful and give you some insight into the mind of someone you love. Be sure to send this to your favorite Enneagram Two or someone who you know has a close relationship with the two. And if you loved today's episode, please follow, subscribe, or leave a review. That seriously does help the show grow so much and allows me to continue to get awesome guests and episodes out for you. And of course, I'm going to leave you with just one thing. It's this. Expect good things always, and they will happen.